Um, all right, cool. Ian, how, how do? Yeah, mate, I'm good. Um, we're recording this straight away after having a lovely, lovely, lovely chat with um, a wine, a wine, a wine, Arstels. Good, well done, well got it right. That correctly. Yes. Yeah, a wine. A wine was awesome. A wine Just is an awesome, dude. He was great. Awesome, dude. Super inspiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. a different kind of filmmaker than, than we've anyone had on we've the had podcast. On. Yeah, anyone we've had. In the, I guess his whole thing is um, a specific field of work called docudrama. Yeah. Um, and social impact films. Social impact films. So re- really trying to make change or bring to light uh, issues that are happening right now in the UK. And a lot of his films have had um, an emphasis, a specific emphasis on homelessness or the prison system. Mm. And we talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, he's had uh, loads of success. Uh, yes, I mean, he's currently on a program called Shorts to Features, um, where he's developing a project, a uh, feature film. Um, and that whole idea of that program is to go from, well, short films to long form <laughs> content, as the name suggests. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, this guy's just, he's so persistent, it seems, with all of his applications for everything yeah. and just really pushing um, what he makes. And, you know, he's an AD, his first AD as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked in a prison for two years, working, yeah, making films with prisoners, which we go into in depth. Yeah. It was, yeah, as, as mentioned, like totally interesting to see, yeah, his process when it comes to making these docudramas and also i guess his uh the secrets to his i guess success in terms of mm. getting funding or um getting on to vet on the various schemes he's been on like will was mentioning shorts to features but also yeah. bafta connect bfi network um so yeah and, and his outlook i think on filmmaking and what films can do for you know issues like yeah. homelessness and for prisoners um and i think and it's the community a totally guess, different generally. perspective yeah and the community yeah. um totally different perspective on than anything we've had on so i hope you enjoy yeah t- hope you enjoy L- let's go <laughs> <laughs> welcome a wine um you. thanks for coming in thanks for, oh, for coming and having a chat my pleasure man uh, so I actually wanted to go more into the docudrama. Yeah, uh, a lot of your a lot of your yeah, work is uh, docudrama, yes. obviously. So, um, you know, Sleeping Rough and the hardest mm. fight or mm. uh, the hardest fight of your life, and then obviously the one we've just been talking about. Um, what is it for you? Why is mm-hmm. that the medium you want? Well, uh, why is that? Mm. Yeah, how you want to tell your stories through film, uh, through docudrama rather than drama or documentary yeah. separately? Yeah, well, so obviously, obviously for me, the kind of core of my work is social impact and community engagement. And obviously, for, you know, for that, it's, a, it's talking about real issues. It's talking about real people. It's, you know, it's talking about real stories uh, within the community that are happening. And so for that, I kind of feel like there's a certain responsibility to stick closely to the facts if you like you know and not to over dramatize or um manipulate stories uh but at the same time i feel like there's so much potential in the narrative form uh to really get audiences into the the shoes of a character and really see their journey and i think that like for example um, we'll come on to this later i'm sure but i was running this um, program in prisons for several years basically um supporting guys in prisons to learn filmmaking skills and tools and then to create their own short films around their experiences and what and we'd always give everybody the option so you can do a documentary or you can do um a drama basically and nine times out of ten the guys wanted to do a drama because it's more appealing it's more uh, accessible to audiences uh and i think that there's there's also kind of like a removal if you're removing it just that one level from 
reality from lived experience then it's almost easier to tell your story that way because it's like technically it's a character even if those things you know those issues and those traumas really happened to me it's somehow easier to communicate that through a character rather than literally having the camera on myself which you do in documentary so I'm basically just really interested in kind of the the bridge between the two forms and exploring that. And sometimes, you know, I do more traditional documentary. Sometimes I do more straightforward scripted work. Um, but I just think in terms of kind of having that real social impact and yeah, again, staying cl close to reality and to the facts, but at the same time, exploring it in a way that's uh, potentially a little bit more immersive or can be a little bit more subjective. That's what I'm interested in. So it's sort of like um, a docudrama is, something that's inspired by or that is very close to the facts of real life but you are using actors you're using yeah. a medium of like i guess fiction to yeah it's it's, it's really tricky one because, to, to because like i think the te the technical definition of docudrama is uh, a dramatization of real events but you kind of you've got this whole spectrum of films uh that are you know based on real events or inspired by real events and it's all kind of different degrees of actual reality like you know you've got films like you know american hustle for example that came out several years ago or, or like you know a lot of david o russell films that always have that thing at the beginning of like this is inspired by real events or some of this actually happened that kind of yeah. thing where There's american animals as well american animals mixed, as well yeah, which is a lot yeah. like closer to a to documentary actually which is yeah. interesting but it's this whole thing of like within the film industry you've got so many films that claim to be based on real events or whatever but they're so heavily dramatized that it's actually quite far from the truth um, and so with docudrama, it's more about that responsibility of, no, everything that we display here actually happened. Even it's being represented by actors, uh, it's not kind of overly dramatized or again, like I said earlier, it's not like manipulated or distorted basically. And I guess, um, cause it could be confused, I guess with, uh, you know, when they like remake things, it's like yeah, on the history exactly. channel and things like they remake it's, the battle of Hastings and it's like, whatever. it's almost like close to that as well. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like recreation, but there's recreation, a, that's the but there's like a little bit more, you know, because you get like recreational documentaries as well, mm. for example, like The Act of Killing, which is that, yes. kind of, yeah, which is that kind of thing where it's a documentary, but you've got actors or, you know, non-actors um, kind of acting out these, these scenarios. But, you know, I, th I think there's no like real, I think a docudrama could be like, it can be a lot of different things. There's no like real specific thing. And like, again, me for myself, I've kind of gone, you know, I've like played all along the spectrum, but it's really just about, yeah, sticking close to the truth or at least the emotional truth. I I'm, yeah. I'm curious as to, if you want. Uh, no, you can go for it. I, I'm curious as to the process then behind it. Cause I've done documentaries and I'm mainly focused on fiction now. Uh, and obviously with fiction, you're writing a script and you know coming up with the world and you know going through structure and everything like that um and casting and all this are you so for example sleeping rough and then the hardest fight of, uh, of your life there's the voiceover that's there throughout and sleeping rough for example is the three homeless people and you've got their accounts of being homeless and then you've used actors to bring that to life have you did you go and reach out to these people beforehand or did you have an idea for a script and find the people that kind of fit mm. that like what's the like how do you start that kind of process it's and like, just yeah. and just for a bit of context that's like two of your previous short yeah. films yeah uh, sleeping rough and um the hardest fight of my life yeah yeah exactly so it's for me it's like there's a really long process of developing it actually so the first thing will be uh 
some form of participatory development where you know that could be interviews you know going out and speaking to people uh, and, and running interviews they, they might be recorded interviews they might be filmed interviews they might be audio only they might be anonymous um and just doing that for like a long long time just speaking to people having conversations uh and but making sure that people the, the people that I'm speaking to are, are as involved in the actual writing of a script as possible um, or at least as you know as involved as they want basically that's kind of the whole thing it's not about like cool I've done an interview with you now I'll see you later it's really really important that they're involved throughout that process obviously a lot of people you know prefer to kind of keep a distance uh, because obviously you know it is uh, very affecting personal experiences but that's kind of the first step I don't go into it with like a set story or anything because i've kind of got this thing of i might have my idea of it i might even have my own lived experience of the issue like with homelessness for example but i don't want it to be about that i want it to be about other people's stories and experiences um so i'll, I'll do that and then normally what will happen is after like a long process of doing that like for example with sleeping rough that was a year of just chatting to people and doing interviews um the uh interviews will kind of be formed into a sort of script outline where again going back to sleeping rough for example like i said it's three different stories um and each of those stories is basically an, an amalgamation of different people's accounts so it wasn't like three specific people that had those specific stories um but it was three three different stories that where all of the events that were in that script outline were what people had recounted in those conversations or in those interviews um but we're kind of, it's almost like, you know, picking certain parts to create a, a narrative, for example. Um, and it was similar with The Hardest Fight of My Life. The difference with that one, so I'll, I'll talk about that, that first, because again, it's like, like I say, like with each film, it's like a slightly different process. But with The Hardest Fight of My Life, again, it was spent, spending a long time interviewing people um, and getting their experiences. And again, it was based on my experience of basically going into quite a bad depression and then as a means of coping with that depression, uh, doing boxing for the first time in my life and just finding how incredibly helpful it was for me, for my mental health, for so many different reasons. Um, but again, I didn't want it to be necessarily about my experience. I wanted it to be about other people's experiences. And so, yeah, went out, did all of these interviews with people, uh, created a sort of script outline but the script outline was in the style of a documentary so there's basically in the film this guy actually comes down he sits in this studio he sits down and he starts talking to camera as if he's recounting his personal story what he says uh, and that's nolan as well who's like a fantastic actor was also in sleeping rough and crucially also had lived experience of that of you know of you know having quite bad mental health issues and using boxing to cope with that um everything that he says that is scripted is verbatim from those interviews basically and then you have so even though it's not his his personal story it's not nolan's personal story uh um and he's almost like acting as if he's in a documentary um everything that he says it is verbatim from yeah from those interviews and then you kind of you cut, cut away to all of these different uh narratives that kind of illustrate his journey just and it's simple things from struggling to get out of bed to breaking down while going while whilst being out on a run stuff like this um and then on the other hand you've got something like sleeping rough where again like i say um all of the interviews 
kind of got shaped into these three narratives that follow three different people that are an amalgamation of hundreds of stories. But then we actually use the original voiceover of those interviews throughout the film, threaded throughout the film uh, to kind of, again, highlight certain moments in, in each of those characters' stories. But then the other level of that is that I always work with actors that have got lived experience of the issue themselves. So they might be a professional actor or they might have never acted before, but they will have, yeah, they will have lived experience of, um, yeah, of, of what the issue of the film is, is about. So for example, with Sleeping Rough, all of the actors had lived experience of homelessness. And most of them were cast through this organization, this theater organization called Cardboard Citizens, who are a theater organization that work exclusively with and for people that have lived experience of homelessness. And then all of the dialogue is improvised in that film. So all of the dialogue, we held a series of workshops and rehearsals with the cast um, and continued to develop those scenes. And on set, they improvised all of the dialogue because obviously then there is that further element of authenticity where they're bringing their own lived experience to it in, you know, and they've got more ownership and authorship of the film because of that. So, so because for example, in um, the scene, one of the scenes I've seen in Sleeping Rough was the homeless man on the floor and there's the drunks. The, yeah. the three drunk guys that mm -hmm. basically the three drunk guys come up and start insulting this homeless man one of them knows him or something from school yeah. right so that you're saying that scene came out organically in like rehearsals so but it was informed by the voiceover of yeah so so that scene was it was a really really common experience yeah so many of the guys that i spoke to uh and so many people that i know that have experienced street homelessness that is one of the most common experiences friday night saturday night you know you're you know you're in a doorway you're you're kind of hidden away and there'll be a bunch of drunk lads that are showing off and trying to impress their mates and they'll start uh assaulting you basically and it could be anything from verbal abuse to in a lot of circumstances physical abuse um and uh, you know and unfortunately there were a couple of times three people that we spoke to where they'd known the lads or they'd known one of that one of the lads um, and that's actually a big reason for people like when you become homeless, often you'll move away, um, because of what, not wanting people to see you in that situation, obviously, you know, and, and like, again, if it's like, you know, you know, somebody that I knew from school, uh, sees me five years later or 10 years later or whatever, and I'm out on the street, like how painful is that experience for me? And so you often move, move away, but then you get into all these issues where if you move to, um, basically a borough where you were not where you've not been for the last three years and it's much more difficult to get support so yeah anyway that that scene basically was based on like a lot a lot of experiences that people had recounted but then we obviously you know um rehearsed it a little bit in rehearsals with the cast and then um the dialogue that's actually in the film is improvised by those actors so in, what are what are the aims with your films then like so why because obviously you want like you want to make an impact a social impact right why why through these films do you think that you are going to have more of an impact than maybe i don't know activism or i guess you know it's one in the same maybe yeah. um like what what are your i mean what are the aims with the films basically yeah. um what do you want to get out of it there's a lot of different fronts one is obviously you hope that through telling these stories film is Roger Ebert called it the empathy machine, right? And particularly if it is this kind of narrative story, that is what it is. You're put, being put into these persons, and into this yeah, into this person's shoes. You are experiencing their journey, and hopefully through that, you 
have a better understanding of what they might go through, how they experience it, how it affects them emotionally, and therefore have more empathy for that person. I wish this government, you know, would watch The Swimmers that's on Netflix, which, yeah, is, which so is about good. the refugee experience, for example. Um, you know, I think that's a great example of a very affecting film uh, that is also also inspiring, but I just wish more people would see it because then I think that government policy would change if they actually saw that. Uh, but I think that I do genuinely believe that that is the real power of film and of art is to change hearts and therefore change minds beyond, you know, facts and figures. Um, but something else that I've learned through making film is initially it was always about the audience. You know, it's always about kind of representing an issue and raising awareness of an issue and then hopefully having an impact on the audience. But what I've really learned is actually the impact of participation and of the people that work in the film. And again, this kind of goes back to always working with actors that have lived the experience of the issue is that through participating in that process, you are self-representing. And film has a long, long history of being very exploitative and being very extractive and being very manipulative of people's stories and kind of what so much of I want to do with film and, and within the film industry is to counterbalance that and to fight against that by increasing participation in film and of people's own stories from the communities that those stories are actually about and I think not only does that lead to a more authentic portrayal but it also means that the communities themselves actually benefit from those stories being told um, and from the making of those films. So in a lot of ways, it's about the process as much as it is about the product. Um, but but yeah, but I do still think that there's a really important element of actually rep the representation of it. And even, to, you know, like with Sleeping Rough, one of the most emotional experiences that I had with the film was when we, we, toured, we toured the film after we made it and we took it back to a lot of the hostels where we'd spoken to people and interviewed people uh and we there was a lot of tears wow. there, there, you know there, there was a lot of kind of uh really really emotional conversations um because people were saying like i've never seen myself represented truthfully before and i think that's a really that's a really massive thing because if you have these kind of authentic representations that are actually built and created by the people that have actually experienced what they're portraying on screen um that's just that's just very very rare and so i think that that can also be an incredibly empowering experience for people that experience that watching the film mm. i think that's uh, so inspiring and also quite rare yeah. i suppose that yeah, a filmmaker is, yeah. will have that sort of level of I, I guess just the attitude of what you're trying to do so yeah i think that's super inspiring and so great that we've got you to talk you know about yeah you know, I, that, I just wish it was more like common practice within the industry to be fair mm. hopefully it will be and obviously we are like i think moving more in that direction but yeah there's a, long, maybe long there's a lot go. of chat and not enough action with that kind yeah, of yeah thing, like right? always yeah. you know yeah. yeah i was gonna actually um jump in um to ask you a bit about your personal experiences i suppose yeah. so like i guess the two themes that sort of leap out at me when looking at you know your short film mm. work and the work you've been involved with, um, is homelessness mm. and the prison system, um, and I understand you've got sp you know some specific experience with homelessness. Is that the same as the pr prison system out of curiosity, or is that just something you're sort of? Um, um, not so much with the prison system. Like obviously, I know people and I've had people close to me that have gone through or ha or yeah have gone through the criminal justice system in one way or another. Whether that be obviously actually spending time in prison or, uh, you know, going through, you know, horrible um, trials or, you know, stuff like that, or just kind of being affected by the 
criminal justice system. Um, but yeah, but it's not something that I've experienced myself. Okay. I mean, I've yeah, not, yeah. I've not been sentenced and sent down to prison. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've uh, I've worked in prisons. Uh, I, I worked in prisons full time for um, for two years. Is that the making but, the making films with the prisoners? Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like full, that was like full time, obviously. Um, but yeah, but it's not something that like I've actually gone through myself. Okay, but then homelessness, I yeah. suppose, is something. Yeah, would you mind telling us a bit about that? Yeah, I'd look, yeah, yeah, to hear sure. about that. yeah. Um, so it's always a weird thing to speak about because I think like within film and within it art, you often have these very linear narratives. Mm. And I've realized that my experience, and obviously, you know, most people's experiences don't really fit into that. You know, it's not a standard kind of like rise and fall or anything like that. You know, it's very non-linear. Like I've experienced homelessness um, at different times throughout my life, you know, and I've been homeless and then housed and then, you know, homeless again. Um, and it's been very different experiences. The general uh, kind of image of homelessness is, you know, some old, old guy, probably with like a long beard, like sat by the side of the road or like sat, sat in a doorway with a cup or a dog and like, and that represents like 1% of actually what homelessness is. You know, homelessness is sofa surfing, homelessness is living in hostels, you know, um, and and I've gone you know I've gone gone through all of that like I've you know I've spent months at a time sometimes um, uh, jumping from like mate's house to mate's house on their sofa spending spending a night in you know in like a horrible hostel um, th that that kind of thing basically but yeah like I said that's happened like different times throughout my life like it happened after I left school um, initially it happened uh, it happened like at one point when I was at uni as well even like still studying like still on a course at the time and that's actually a really common experience as well is like you actually get a lot of students and graduates that um, aren't that don't have a, a network to rely on um, or don't have kind of they're not set up you know they don't have the money um or whatever and so end up homeless basically and again that might not be being out on the street but it base but you know you have no permanent no base you have no base you have, you have no home you have that that is what it is and even if you are not out on the street it is still such a an emotionally and mentally affecting experience like the rate at which your mental health worsens when you're in that experience is so fast like literally, literally owning a key. I cannot overstate how empowering it is to own a key. It sounds mad, it does, but it's like when you're relying on other people to uh, have somewhere that is safe and that is hopefully warm and where you have a roof. Like it is, uh, it's a really damaging experience, um, and that's why it tends to be like a spiral, you know. And I'm very, very lucky, and I'm very, very privileged that I've a had really good networks and good friends that I can stay with and rely on but also that I've kind of got the background and the education if you like to um, more easily find work than a lot of other people will or, or be able to kind of like set myself up in a lot of other people in the, the way that a lot of other people won't they, they won't have the tools for that and so that's why it is so often like a spiral of you know once you are sofa surfing then your mental health deteriorates to the point where you know it's so difficult to find the motivation to get up and to go out and to face the day or to, or to network or to, to apply for jobs or whatever it is um again we can cut out what is it that got you through that then was it filmmaking was it friends was it, yeah <laughs> in, in, a lot, in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. actually yeah. In, a, in a lot of ways yeah um like i say i, I was you know at one point like i, I was working uh, and i was uh, you know like doing video assistant 
jobs and stuff like that on on little little shoots um and that was something that even if it was still very difficult to get the motivation to do stuff like that it was like it's still within film you know it's still doing something that i enjoy and so I'm, I've, I've just about got enough like energy to be able to do that but yeah in a lot of ways it was friends as well definitely mm-hmm. like i've you know I've, I've been really really blessed to have an incredible uh community um of friends to yeah to fall back on that have obviously let me stay with them or just given me support um and again that's something that a lot of people unfortunately don't yeah, don't ha- yeah. don't have you know and so yeah, i've just yeah. been really really blessed in that way well thanks for sharing yeah, thank you yeah, yeah of course appreciate it. Yeah. So you've touched a couple times on prisons and your work in the prisons. I was just wondering if you could talk a bit more about that, that in more depth about what you do with the prisoners, how you got involved in that and, and what kind of like, you know, that you say they work, they work in a lot of fiction. They want to write, write fiction. Yeah. Like how does that whole process work with them and what's, mm. what's your role basically? Yeah. So basically what I, what I did is I ran this project called the mental health media production unit. It wasn't the most um, catchy name, but it was for this, uh, film production company called Inside Job Productions who uh, are a commercial film production company but they work as a social enterprise and they've got a long history of running uh, primarily film-based programs in prisons uh, both men and women's prisons basically and so I uh, yeah got brought on board to run this program which would be working in prisons in London. Was that like an application that you made? Yeah, or, so that was opening? It was re- I was really lucky. So it was, actually, it was in the pan- pandemic, right? And obviously I had no work. Uh, I was on universal credit because I'd just graduated uni as well. So I didn't qualify for like any of the government support. Um, so I was like on universal credit. I was on benefits. And then this job came up and I applied for it. And I somehow got it, which is incredible. Because, but it was incredible because it did. Obviously, I'd already done a lot of this um prison work I'd you know already already made to my younger self for example uh, and I was already kind of going in the direction of being fully a participatory filmmaker and then this job came up and I applied for it and yeah I got it kind of six months later moved to London moved out of Bristol uh, because like wow a job doing what I actually want to do like yeah I'll move to London (laughs) (laughs) yeah man Um, oh my oh my god (laughs) to be fair like that at that point in the pandemic it was a bad time to move to london because there was yeah. like you could not make friends you could not like it's easier to get a place so everyone on. moved but out it was right? <laughs> but it was cheaper yeah. it was cheaper yeah a lot cheaper than it is now definitely yeah. um so yeah so so i i moved up and, and started running that project basically and i did that for two years and uh, what it was it was we'd have cohorts of guys in we, we worked primarily in two prisons um hmp wandsworth which is a uh category b men's prison and uh isis which is a young offenders institution but for like 18 to 25 year olds and we'd run sessions with our cohorts where you would learn about filmmaking you'd learn the practicalities of it and when you say we do you mean like you and an assistant so it was me and a production assistant yeah um so i worked with two amazing production assistants uh called kiz and io um and yeah they were just incredible like so so i would i would have yeah not been able to finish the project like if it weren't, weren't for them right without a doubt um but yeah and so we'd, we'd run basically filmmaking workshops you know and it'd be everything from like running interviews to learning how to use a camera to set the exposure to you know to, to use using wireless mics to script writing to storyboarding and you go was, through like coverage shots yeah we'd go, wow, we'd go yeah. All, all of this like how to shot list how, how to break down a script all of this kind of stuff but then also we'd, we, that was one half of it. The other half of it was talking about issues specifically relating to mental health and well-being in prisons. And uh, what obviously the guys 
experiences were of that or what the stories they wanted to tell were about mm. that and so through that process you were trying to get them to write about to, sorry to make films mm. about their own personal experiences they weren't it wasn't encouraged for them to just make a film that was it well to be, be fair it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily about their own personal experience or it didn't have to be about their own personal okay. experience but obviously it was about uh, mental health and well-being within I see. prisons okay uh, but obviously based on their expertise if you like mm. their expertise of having lived experience mm -hmm. because you know it, it that's what participatory filmmaking is like you could you know you could get a film team and make a great film about uh you, you know about mental health resources in a certain prison but if the guys that are actually living it go well it's nothing you know, to do with actually yeah that, that, that's yeah. that's actually bullshit or that's not going to affect you know yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody's going to watch that nobody's going to believe that that's mm. what's important about it um, as well as obviously the the side of learning skills and actually getting skilled up to the point where you could apply for for you know entry level jobs in the film industry, um, and so yeah, and so then the guys would basically be uh, supported to write and direct their own films, obviously shot within the prison um, around topics of mental health and well being. Wow. And the guys, yeah. this is so cool. <laughs> so, so cool. And, and the, the 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 guys that were on the program, did they mm. apply? Were they in the prison yeah. and they applied to be on this thing? And then how many yeah. of them were there? And so um, I can't I, I can't remember the actual statistic of how many guys we worked with. It was a lot less than I would like, but it was still a really good amount. Um, it was much less at the beginning because of COVID, and we couldn't have very many people and then it, you know towards the end of the program it was a lot more because obviously it started to open up um but we worked with groups of like our smallest group was two guys and our lar largest group i think was eight at a time okay. um so yeah um and you know they would like you'd, you'd crew on each other's films and you'd act in each other's films so the eight guys stuff. sorry uh yeah. the eight guys so if it was someone's project that they've written and they're directing yeah. the other seven guys Help with sound, camera, yeah. acting. Yeah, exactly, wow, exactly that. Wicked. Exactly that. We we tried to make sure uh, everyone got to make their own film. It wasn't always possible. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority got to make their own film. But everyone worked on each other's films. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then with the yeah with the end result, does that get screened to the prison itself? Yeah. So it would okay. go out on on prison TV basically. Right. So you've got some prisons have. It, like in prison TV channels. So Wandsworth Prison, for example, has a specific TV channel that only goes out in Wandsworth Prison. So a lot of the stuff that, we, well, sorry, all of the stuff that we made went out onto that channel. Then you've also got other um, other channels called like, there's one called Way Out TV, for example, which goes out to, I think 60 something prisons across the country. It might be more now. So we'd, we'd send it to places like that, for example, and they'd put it on their channel. The only thing was that, uh, we cannot show any of that work publicly because okay. it was all shot in within prison. prisons, obviously, and made within prisons. Um, we, we've had a couple of like private screenings outside the prison, uh, but we've never been able. Yeah, we will never be able to distribute show, it publicly, yeah. which and, is a shame. Uh, the guys that were on the that were on the scheme have they? Have, if any of them have left, have they been trying to yeah. get into the film industry themselves? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. So, so obviously, it's it's still a tough industry to get into, yeah, like, yeah. no matter what your experience is. Um, but yeah, a few of the guys have, have been released and, um, you know, one of our first participants, actually, Russ, he, he runs like an events company now, which obviously isn't within the film industry, but he uses a lot of that's, you know, a lot of the skills that he picked up for media production. Do you know what I mean? Um, which is really great just to see the kind of the transferable skills and, you know, he's doing very well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's wicked. Do you? Um, yeah, another question on this. Yeah. Do you think there might have been an element in prisons of like people being afraid to apply to the scheme yeah, because yeah. of how it might be perceived mm. amongst other prisoners? 
Um, I'm not sure about being scared to apply because of how it would be perceived amongst other prisoners. There, I mean, it's also the thing of like any, especially at the time when we started, again, you got him like pandemic, there's nothing going on. You're not, you're, you're banged up for 23 mm. hours a day. Um, it was it was horrific. And so there is an element of applying to anything because it, you know, it will be something that I can get out of my cell and get my hands on, actually do and learn and do something, especially because it's something creative as well, which is really exciting. Um, but, you know, we always have these kind of ground rules in place of anonymity, um, the power for, to veto, all this kind of stuff. So it's, you know, you, you, you never put anything out that you're not comfortable with. Okay. And what's the response been from the other prisoners when they, you know, when it went out yeah. on these, you know, what they say, one Wandsworth prison? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's it's good. It's nice. It's like, obviously, it's, if, if it's people that you know, and it's like, oh, you're on, on TV, TV, that's mad, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's, always, that's always really cool. Even, like, officers, like, we had a, a there was a, a, a small handful of, like, officers that we got to act in some of the films, Joe. for example. <laughs> and oh, stuff like man. that is, is mad. Like, you'd get, like, you, know, you get, like, these officers coming back to you being like, bro, I'm famous now. Like, what's going on? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, so that part of it is always really fun. But obviously, there is the, you know, the more important part of it, if you like, of, like so much of it was about raising awareness of mental health services that were available for example so you had these services like the samaritans run this service in all prisons in england and wales called the listener service which is where uh, prisoners are actually trained up as uh, sort of samaritans if you like to be on call to you know if somebody's having a mental health crisis and they need somebody to speak to um, then they can ask for a listener and legally the prison has to provide a listener so you know the prisoner who's trained up will go and sit and, and you'll have a conversation um and uh that's a very popular program but a lot of people still don't know about it and so some of the work that we created was about raising awareness of that scheme for example and apparently referrals for that like shot up obviously really? after that went out which is great and that's yeah. kind of what, what it's all about but again so much of it also is about the process and it's almost like the participants that we're working with it's uh you know it's as important the impact on them as the impact on the audience if you like i'm i'm curious as well as to uh how much it tested you and your filmmaking knowledge um in terms of you know when you're trying to teach someone filmmaking it does because i teach kids uh, filmmaking on the weekends and uh, i remember my one of my first sessions was like Shit, you know how do you explain this to a five-year-olds and then yeah. it's like how, do you actually know what you're talking about and i imagine it must have been you know for, from take, taking everything to a base base level yeah, did that test no, you and did you find that you maybe had yeah. there were areas you didn't know as much as you thought you knew about yeah. and I don't know I'm just curious I'll, about that I'll tell you one thing I stole so much from screen skills yeah no, like really. screen skills now it's like the number one thing I say to people if like you if you're trying to just learn more about the film industry or like you're like what, yeah. what the fuck is this about like you know what what's what's the development producer do you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. like go to screen skills like go to right. it has everything studio binder as well studio binder Stu <laughs> i nicked so many articles from studio because we always like would create these work packs right for, for the guys where you know it's it's like oh, this work pack on um shot listing for example or, or this you know this is one on camera angles and i stole so many <laughs> things from like from screen skills from studio binder yeah. um and yeah so that kind of saved my ass a little bit but it is but it's like a really good experience to sort of fortify your own film knowledge mm. do you know what i mean and, and to kind of like reinforce what you know or maybe like pick up on some stuff that you've forgotten or yeah learn new stuff yeah. teaching is such a great way to do that 100 percent yeah Man, totally it's so that. fascinating. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, man. What a, what a gift, yeah. I guess. Like, what's that? You say you did that for a whole one year, did you say? Two years. Two, Two years, years. Yeah. bro. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, we thought we'd go into your work as an AD yeah. on the sides. Yeah. Um, so An AD is an assistant director. Do you want to explain what that is quickly? <laughs> uh, well, you can if you want. Yeah. I, sure, yeah. So, <laughs> well, so you've got um, like first assistant director, for example, then you've got second assistant director, third assistant director, and then below that, it's kind of production assistant, runner, etc. Um, and it, it does vary a little bit depending on what kind of production you're working on. So, for example, on like a high-end TV show, the first assistant director or first AD will be on set the second ad will most likely be in the production office writing up call sheets and shooting schedules and stuff like that and then the third ad will be like an assistant of the first ad to be fair on most of the like the extras and all yeah stuff, like yeah. coordinating extras yeah. or, or anything like that to be fair on most of the stuff that i've worked on it's much more s- small scale so it's normally like first ad myself um and then maybe a second ad if i'm you know if i'm lucky that will be assisting um but basically what the first ad does is you're kind of in charge of the whole set, but you're in charge of everything from making sure everybody's on time, making sure everybody's keeping on schedule, making sure everybody knows what they're doing. If we're moving on to the next scene or the next shot or the next setup, the first idea is kind of going to need to communicate that to everyone and be like, right, cool, you know, you cast member, you're going to be in makeup now. How long do you need for that? 30 minutes? Can you make it 20 minutes? That kind of thing, you know, okay, to, you know, to the DP and the camera team. Cool, so you're going to set up for the top shot now, right? You know how long? How long do you need for that? Thirty minutes. Okay. Well, you know we're Super tight on time. We're tight on time. So yeah. But I, I, the way I also view it is, uh, more importantly, I think is you're really in charge of kind of the tone on set, and because you you do hear like these horror stories, you know, obviously of of films where, uh, you know, there are people on set that are abusive, um, or uh, don't treat their crew members or cast members very well um and so from my perspective i think that such a big role of the first ad because you are the one that's communicating with every everybody is you're taking care of everybody and so i think it's really really important like the well-being side of that and checking in with people making sure that everybody feels supported making sure that everybody feels safe making sure that everybody's got what they need making sure that everybody's drinking enough water all of those kinds of things um i think is kind of as important if not more important than the side of making the day which right. is you know when you make sure yeah. that you've got all the footage you need by the end of the day and you're also um involved with the planning yeah so like yeah. the scheduling in terms of not just on the day making sure you're keeping to the schedule yeah but yeah. also yeah you know how how long you, you write the schedule take. exactly yeah, you actually yeah. make the schedule yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's such a tough job to do it yeah. like when you have a good first aid it just makes yeah. everything but i also like i always like make this joke because people ask me well, like why, why are you a first ad and i kind of made a joke of like first ad it's really really important and it is really tough but it's also in a way like the least skilled role because like if you're a sound recordist you need to know the in the oh, ins yeah. and outs of the sound equipment yeah, you're yeah. operating if you're if you're a dp you need to know so much about framing about exposure you know yeah. about, about everything as a first ad you just need to be like nice and good with people and able to kind of be on time and good at communication yeah. like basically be the skills. bad cop in a good cop kind of way yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so uh, and yeah. and do you do that uh is that purely for money is that for experience you like doing it is it a kind of career path as I well mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a bit of everything obviously ultimately yeah i want to you know be a director and i'd like to direct full time but i really really enjoy ading for a lot of reasons you know and i enjoy communicating with all different departments i love because you're able to you talk to the actors you talk you know you talk to the camera team you talk to the sound team you talk to production design so i really enjoy that um i i've been again i've been like really blessed to work on just some great sets 
you know, we're, we're really cool people and you meet a lot of collaborators. I mean, uh, a really good friend and colleague of mine, Xenia, she's producing an upcoming film of mine. I first met her because I AD'd one of her films that she was directing, um, two of her films actually. Uh, and so you kind of, you build those really nice relationships and you can learn from the, for, from the directors and other departments. But yeah, well, you know, so I need to make money. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. doing it for that as well, to be fair. But. Right. And then, yeah, so on your website, there's um, just had a little skim through the kind of stuff you've been ADing. Mm. And it tends to be short films. Is that yeah, generally. is that what you, yeah, you focus on as an AD? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's partly because, I mean, first of all, I think like the vibe on short films is normally the best vibes that I've experienced because, you know, it, it's people that maybe a slightly earlier career or, you know, not, not even necessarily earlier career, but like it's a passion project quite a lot of the time. And, um, you know, it's something that everyone's kind of really passionate about. And so I've always had really great environments on short films, which is one of the reasons. But another of the reasons is, you know, short films are like the shoots are two, three, four days. So I've been able to fit that around other work when I was obviously working in the prison full time. Uh, I'd, I would be able to, you know, I'd do that five days a week and then I'd go off and AD a short film for a weekend, for example, um, or I'd take take a few days holiday and be able to AD a short film. So it's easier to fit around. Whereas if you're working on features or TV, those shoots are like weeks to months long. So I've never been able to do it. But I would really like I'd really like to get more work uh, in long form as an AD. Um, that's kind of kind of something I'm trying to do at the moment. Um, I did a feature documentary a while, while back, which was really cool. Um, very low budget, but that was a really good experience in Bristol. Um, so yeah, kind of trying to get more long form stuff, but I do love working on shorts. Cool. Have uh, have you have you found that that um, experience has informed your directing and how you are on set as I a think director? So. I think so, yeah. There is a little bit of like, you kind of just switch into a mode a little bit, mm. I do think. Uh, but I think that empathy is one of the big ones. Like you need so much empathy as a director. I think it is one of the most important I don't even know if you could call it a skill really, just one of the most important values you can have as a director. Um, and I think that it's also really important to have it as an AD. So AD is a good way to practice empathy, you know, because again, you, you'll be under like enormous pressure, but it's really important to make sure that you're still checking on people and looking after people. And so it's a good way to practice that. Um, but also, yeah, there is like, I think also it's given me an, a good feeling of what you need like you get this a lot of TV directors, right? Where they're really good at being like, you know, the AD will come up to them and say, right, you've got half an hour left and you've got three shots. You're not gonna be able to get all three shots. You're gonna have to get one. What are you getting what are you rid get of? Yeah, what are you cutting? And, and you know, a lot of TV directors because of the kind of timescales and stuff, they'll be like, right, cool. I need this, 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 and this, and that's it. Cool, let's move on. Mm. And I feel like you, I've developed a little bit of that as an AD of like, I know when we've got it in the can. I or know, as an I, editor, actually, as well. Or as well. an editor yeah. as well. Like, oh, man, like, yeah, Hansel, that's one of the reasons why he's such a good director. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it is, I think, that of, like, just knowing what you need, knowing how to get it, and knowing when to move on. Was that, like, um, a sort of, pr like, a meditated decision on your part to sort of do something alongside the directing that was going to be was going to lead into a, a situation where you could be able to you know make money and then pursue the directing was, th was that was that fair to say sort of yeah um and then as that is the case why did you choose this isn't directing and not editing or not you know yeah. um cinematography I think, so i i remember there was a certain time where and i think this is actually wrong but a, a few people had said to me oh you want to be a director a great role to get into is ADing, right? And because it's not that usual, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. very directors usual. do that. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. like DPs, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of obviously actors as well. But nah, ADs not as an AD. Quite often you're going to producing, 
you, that you'll, you'll kind of go that route. Um, you do get ADs that, that direct as well. I know, you know, I've got quite a few in my circle that do as well, but yeah, it's not that common. Um, but that's just what like people have told me. And and so I was kind of like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll go down that route then. And I'm really glad I did because it has just ended up being something that I really love and really enjoy. And I think I'm decent at it. Um, and it has informed my, my directing. But it was also, yeah, just kind of this thing of like, need to go down a route in the film industry you're not going to be making any money or any work off directing for a long long time so what are you going to do so yeah uh, that's, yeah, yeah i think that's super interesting to hear I, you know I, I love all this stuff about like when people talk about the thing they pursue within filmmaking yeah. that isn't yeah. directing and how they they sort yeah. of make ends meet so yeah i think that that's really interesting yeah well because it, like you say you have to make money while you're trying to make your own yeah. films you know yeah the, the uh, constant battle you know yeah. yeah and it is this weird position of like wanting to now progress as an ad i mean like i need to do so much work to you know to do that you know reaching out to agencies and production companies and diary services and all of this and i'm like oh should i be spending this time you know working on my portfolio as a director or working on that script or whatever um so there is a bit, bit of like a balancing act to do there but i i also think that there can be a little bit of an attitude actually within the industry of you can only be one thing which i don't think is really fair uh i think you know you can yeah you can why why can't you be a director and a producer and an ad and a dp on different projects if you are genuinely passionate about all of those things um why not? And so it can be a little bit of kind of bias against it and it can be a little bit difficult sometimes to I think it just makes you a better one, director, isn't it? Like if you, so. if you experience yeah. all aspects so, yeah. of being on set and post-production, then you're just yeah, going to be better, exactly. aren't you? Just that, that's, I mean, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, I wanted to move, yeah, okay. I just wanted to move on to um, shorts to features, the yes. scheme that you're currently yeah, yeah. on. What, uh, shout out BFI Network. Yeah. Shout out BFI Network. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, so, what? What is the project you're currently working yeah. on with that? If you can talk about it, and and what is the scheme? Shorts to features, and how did you mm. get involved in it? Yeah. So, uh, so short, shorts to features. It's a scheme run by BFI Network in the southwest, and it's specifically for directors and producers that have had some success within short films and are looking to move into long form, whether that be feature films or high end TV. Uh, it's run by uh, these two amazing talent execs in Bristol called Nadia and uh, and Jess. And I applied for it being certain that I wouldn't get it, but somebody like... <laughs> Seems to be a theme here. <laughs> oh, mate, trust. Like, uh, yeah, I've, I always get the opportunities that I don't think I'm going to get. And the ones yeah. that I think I will get, I don't. That's like always a thing. Um, but yeah, uh, so like a, a friend of mine just like said, oh, you should really go for it. So I put an application in and then I got it. And I was like, oh, sick, this is incredible. Um, and there are some amazing people. I mean, there are people on the cohort that are, have, you know, had feature work funded and that's now in development or in pre-production. Um, there's, uh, I, I mean, uh, one, of, one of the um, participants on the cohort, one of the directors, has just been nominated for an Oscar for his short film *An Irish Goodbye*, oh, and they won wow. the BAFTA. Yeah. yeah. So this, and I'm, so I'm kind of like, what, what am I doing here? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I am like nowhere. Syndrome. <laughs> oh, big time! Like, I am nowhere yeah. near this level. Um, but again, just the talent execs have shown amazing faith and support, which is, which really, really do appreciate. Um, but basically, it, the scheme is about kind of giving you the skills uh, and knowledge to move into long form work so it's been really helpful on that and the project that i'm developing is based largely on my experiences working in prisons um but it's also participatory uh, it's called the wounds we keep and it's three different stories about people um affected by having a family member 
going uh, go through prison, basically, um, and kind of it's kind of in the style and in the structure um, of Monsters and Men by Ronaldo Marcus Green or Place Beyond the Beyond the Pines. Oh by my god, I love that film. amazing film, right? Amazing film, and I love the structure of that. I love the structure where you've kind of got these three stories that are separate but they're thematically linked, and each one of them. E each story impacts the next story. It's like Amores Perros. Or, Amores Perros, yeah, yeah. amazing film as yeah. well. Babel um, as well. Same yeah. Thing, yeah, even even like Moonlight in a way is, has yeah. that kind of got, yeah. got that kind of triptych structure. Obviously, it's the mm -hmm. same character throughout, uh, just at different times of his life. But it's that thing of, it is this kind of idea of legacy as well of the actions of each story have consequences in the next story. So a lot of that is about the kind of generational trauma that there is there as well. And then so short. To features, they yeah. provide you with the mentoring and yeah, so the advice. And yes, yeah, so we do. So uh, they set us up with a mentor, for example. Okay. So I had Henry Blake, who directed the county, county Lines. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 exactly. So, so that was really helpful. Um, we do sessions on everything from like VFX to directing action scenes to intimacy coordination, all these kind of different, you know, different things, different workshops. Um, and and there's workshops every well. week. And, and no, no, no. It's more sort of. Uh, once a month or so you know it's kind of obviously you know lit, kind of lit throughout the scheme it's a six month scheme and we're coming to the end of it now yeah. so it's kind of lit throughout but yeah yeah cool it's good to it's know because cool, yeah. obviously shorts of features is very famous um or you know i've heard about it many times oh, so yeah, yeah it's nice yeah, to yeah, yeah hear I, somebody I, speaking I, about it who's actually on it I, i'm not 100 sure but i think they're planning to run an iteration another version of it soon because this is the first okay. time they've ran it um in the southwest so i think they're going to be running another one soon okay but maybe i'm getting it confused with eye features, I think that oh, eye features, creative eye England. features yeah. stopped. Didn't Unfortunately, eye features, eye features stopped. Is, yeah. I, again, it's coming back to like no public funding anymore. Eye, fe eye features was funding to actually make a feature film, yeah. which I would uh, love. That's the but, one that they did with yeah. Florence Pugh was in one of the ones. Yes, Lady, yeah, Lady Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Amazing. So film. We're gonna have to cut that out. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep it in. We have to keep. I'm gonna uh, make sure it's impossible oh, to cut it. No, uh, no, so no. Can't edit it together. I made a mistake. I'm editing this one. I think. Okay. okay. So, like, I don't know, like, just looking at your website and then looking at your uh, social media, I suppose, um, it looks like you've had a lot of success from the outside looking in. in terms it's a lie. <laughs> it is a lie. But, like, but specifically, it's a good, well-placed, well done on that lie. Specifically it? on getting people on board to yeah. fund your project. Yeah. So, like, I'm just going to throw out a few, few names here. So, like, Arts Council, Creative England, BBC Arts, and also successfully getting on schemes. So, like, BAFTA Connect, BFI Network, and of course, we're just talking about shorts to features. Not to um, be confused with eye features. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, you're mean, man. Get, stop <laughs> stop mentioning brutal. it. It never happened. Um, so, yeah, can you, like, talk about, I guess, um, yeah, any insight, any tips you can share with people listening, and also, like, how you find out about all these opportunities? Yeah. How, how many of these are you applying to? Yeah, well, this is the thing, right, is, like, I mean, when I say it's a lie, I'm not joking. Like, for every uh, application I made that's successful, there's like 50 unsuccessful ones. Mm. That is the thing. And like, I've been just applying to this stuff for years. I mean, I've literally, so I've, I'm really lucky now that this year I've got two short films that have been funded and that are going into production. Not much money, but they've actually got funding. I spent the last three, maybe four years trying to get funding to make something, and I've been unsuccessful with everything that's the thing so from the outside and from social media i mean we know how you know how false social media is but like from the outside yeah it might seem like that but um 
yeah, like I say, for every thing that I've been successful with, it's like 50 unsuccessful applications right. or, or more. Like, no, like no doubt. Is like, it really that? 100 percent, genuinely. I mean, you know, and some of that will be for like you know big applications again for like BFI network short film funding, or some of it will be like a little you know a, a, a tiny little pot of a hundred quid. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But um, so yeah, so it's just volume is what I, you're I saying. think. Yeah, and and the, yeah, like the the main thing I would say is like yeah, just bear in mind that you're going to be unsuccessful with a lot of stuff, particularly in the film industry, because there's just, there's so little funding within it that it's so populated, you know, so, so competitive. Um, and so, so it is difficult, but that doesn't mean to, to not do it. Yeah. That, that just means like, just but there grind must it out, be, there must be some tips that was something you've yeah. seen that's consistently worked within your applications. Well, like what, what worked on know. the ones that you did get yeah. into, yeah, I guess. Deep, what are the commonalities? Or, 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 is, or I, is there I, not? I, think, I mean, I mean, I mean again, there's this thing of like, like I said, the ones that I've almost been like the more, most um, confident about getting, I've never got. And the ones where I'm like, I'm, I've don't, I don't stand a chance of getting this. I've got. So like, for example, shorts to features, I was like, you know, am I really at a point where I'm able to like make a feature film? I don't think so, but I applied for it and I got it. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, um, am I ready to like run this program, you know, making films in prisons for, for, for years? I don't think I'm ready for, for, for that. I, I want to, and I'm passionate about it. I don't think I'm going to get that. I don't have the experience. I got it. Do you know what I mean? So you never, so you never know is what I'm guessing. I'm, I'm guessing saying. like, even if you don't feel confident about it, if you, you've got something that you're passionate about, definitely apply for it. But I think that is the other, that is the big thing for me is like passion and honesty. If you're passionate about something, then it does shine through. And so it's all, you know, if you, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's not very fleshed out or very developed, or you don't think you've got the experience to make something. If you are passionate about it, then I do think that will shine through. And I do think that that affects people um reading it i think you know that if someone reads something that comes across as passionate they will be much more likely to be emotionally invested in it and then to back it i i think um and yeah honesty as well i think and i don't you know and it's, it's not i don't mean honesty in a way of like if you you can put that you used to train horses on your cv and that's a that, like, like i'm all for that do you know what i mean like <laughs> lying on your cv i'm like 100 percent in support <laughs> okay. yeah, as long as I, you like, it up yeah exactly i'm like you can learn you can learn how to do that you can learn how to speak french later do you know what i mean <laughs> wait i'm just but, gonna <laughs> unpack this as you have to lie on these <laughs> applications <laughs> not not on the applications joking, but but like you know I, I think yeah in terms of like cvs and stuff yeah you can you, you or you can kind of like big up previous experience that you've had to make it fit the bill but i think in terms of like applications it's more about being honest about kind of your background and your intentions and your again your passion for something don't i guess don't try and fit uh what you think they're looking for i suppose that's that's what i'm trying to say it, you know just be honest about what you want to do and where you want to go with your career and what you want to make and that again will translate into passion and that i think will lead to greater success Hmm. I think so. Uh, that's a yeah, good message. Yeah, um, I think it's a, a, good, uh, a good. It's not a segue, is it? <laughs> Stop trying to make like it a segue. Segues into our last short, uh, last <laughs> question. No, it doesn't. It's a good <laughs> note to end the main bulk yes. of the interview on. There you and go. go into the last question. Yeah, go on. You went down with shorts to features, and you've come <laughs> up on a high. Look at that journey. <laughs> and the podcast um, king. I'll ask this question, I guess. Um, so our final question, mm. big question uh, that we ask all of our guests: um, What is your favourite short yeah. film, 
Or, as I like to add, <laughs> what is a short film that you've seen that's really, really impacted you? Well, I've kind of cheated. I've, I've written down like five. Okay. Again, is can, that, is that allowed? Through, can I, do I have to say what? Them, I mean, because I mean, there are so many shorts out there that I think are amazing, um, and that I'm really inspired by, like Fauve by Jeremy Comte. I think that's how you pronounce his name, French filmmaker um, from a few years ago. It's just amazing. Um, I love the work of like Enil Caria, like his, his ah, short film, like so like good. yeah, like beat work yeah. all of these films. Amazing. he's got Beat's such so and neil is uh, will's best friend <laughs> mate, mate, he's, he's, my, he's my idol <laughs> like i wish he was my best oh, friend really he's, i think he's an incredible filmmaker and Lo- the is it long yeah, goodbye the longer uh, and the long goodbye oh my god it's one of the most and difficult did you see surge, watching film. Film? surge i saw that i saw Great, that which yeah. which really i think the, the the kind of journey from shorts to his first feature really translated and it even is you know his work on like pure top and boy. top boy amazing mm. so we should, get, we should get a neil on i think <laughs> please, do, please i mean he, yeah i think he's and i've I've had the like privilege to meet him a few times wow. yeah, um yeah, yeah, yeah. and he and he is yeah he's just inspiring um but very real as well which yeah I mean, like, very down totally. to earth um and so yes yeah, so anyway so i love i love his work i love the work of charlotte regan for example mm. you know like stuff like she's just done a feature member she's, member original member of i features i believe yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. so so she's you know and she's done but again these are like filmmakers that have gotten to a really good level before they even made their first feature do you know what i mean yeah. when they were just working in shorts and even just their short films were so inspiring so i, I love i love their work but another one just that is really inspiring to me and kind of how i how i want to craft my films is this really great short called pioneer by david lowry um oh. who directed you know who directed like yeah, the green yeah. knight for example yeah, yeah. so this he a ghost made, story as well a ghost story yeah. as well yeah and so he he made this short quite quite a while ago now um and is that on youtube or vimeo and it's on vimeo it's okay. on vimeo uh, pioneer by david lowry pioneer. really good and it's just it's all in this one room and it's just this conversation between a dad and his young son, but it's so immersive, and it's so you're so in their world, but it's got this element of fantasy to it, and it kind of takes you to these other worlds purely for its sound design, uh, and and through the way that the dad tells this story to his son, uh, and it's really really affecting, and has been a big kind of um, yeah impact on the work that I've been trying to make. Mm. Wow, cool! So, yeah. All right, yeah. is that the Pioneer. one? Where, is that is that that's going to be your one? That's your favorite short I th- film? I think. I mean, it would like okay. definitely. Ask, is. ask, ask me tomorrow. Ask it. me tomorrow, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll give you a different <laughs> uh, answer. But yeah, yeah, the right way you now. just talked about that, it's yeah. be I think he directed. Um, did he direct Ain't Them Body Saints as well? Yeah, I watched yeah. that the other day. As yeah, well. yeah. So it's really good. With uh, Rooney Mara in it. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. It's um, yeah. Yeah, really 100%, inspiring. Man. Yeah, us, totally. You know? Really refreshing to get, like, I guess, yeah, different filmmaking perspective on, like, and really, Cheers, yeah, man. as you've said, inspiring. So, yeah, thanks so much, man. Cheers, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. No, thanks thanks for you. It's been really cool. It's been really chill. Like, yeah, I enjoyed it.